Hey everybody, this is Alex Newstead from alexnewstead.com, and this is a new podcast episode on inflation. Now, the purpose of this uh, podcast is not going to be just what is inflation, but like how you can deal with inflation, uh, the politics of inflation, um, just to give you a sort of a better idea of the world that we're in. Because right now, it's a big amount of 10% inflation, that's not a lot. Ah, okay, so just really quick, when we say the word inflation, the word inflation just means an increase. When you're talking economics, you have to be very careful what you mean by inflation. Like you might mean inflation of money supply, prices, and inflation price, whatever. Okay? So, in modern times, the word inflation is oftentimes a just a short thing in inflation of the price level. Now, what is the price level? Um, I mean, there really isn't such a thing. Cumulative age of people. But just like with the population, you could average out our ages and figure out what the average age of a person is. Same thing with prices. You can take many prices and try to kind of figure out on average what prices are. And this is done by usually by creating a basket of goods, which is called a price index. So when people say inflation is going up by 7%, it's not that any specific price is going up by 7%. That based on a mathematical calculation that takes different prices into consideration, weighs them differently, and does the math, you end up with a number. That's your index. And then you recalculate that number multiple times, and then you take a look at the change number. So, no index, really, no economic statistic should be taken on its face value as some sort of absolute measure. Usually, where you derive their value is in doing the same measurement multiple you say, hey, you know, I measured it this year, and then I measured it next year, and the change went up or went down, and that's kind of where you start getting a direction of where things are going. Cool. Now that we have established that, uh, what causes prices to go up and down? At the end of the day, prices are a result of supply and demand. So when we start to look at the supply side of prices, it means we, uh, we can think about the supply of goods, something that would reduce the supply of goods is going to end up having an upward pressure on prices. Okay, because um, there's just less stuff for everyone. So all, take a look at all the different supply chain issues. We've had the last couple of years. Right now, you have proper protesting in Canada. All these are going to have upward pressures on prices. So anything you do, anything that kind of slows down the supply. Uh, but then there's also the supply of money. Okay, so the more money so when central banks use credit, they're not necessarily actually like literally printing money, but what they do is that they increase the balance of their member banks. Okay, whether it's the, the, the ECB, the European Central Bank, or the Federal Reserve, what they do is they increase these balances that the banks have with them, and banks are be allowed to lend out an amount relative to their balance of the bank. Okay? So basically the balance If I increase your bank account at the Federal Reserve, your reserve account is, let's say, 10 billion, now you're able to lend 90 billion against that. Because then your total uh, would be 100 billion, and 10% of that is your deposit at the Federal Reserve. Okay? Um, so that's, in short, kind of how that works. Okay? Now, what happens is that people literally get 
lot of anger and go, yay, or did the did they have? So they might let the the individual bank might be over, you know, hundred percent like that. But then what happens is that at the end of the day when they check for that ten percent that they can borrow from another bank, and this is what's known as the Fed funds market, and the rate at which banks lend each other, so the banks that have extra money lend to banks that lend out too much money, it's called the Fed funds rate. And that's generally sort of like when you hear the Federal Reserve talk about increasing or decreasing rates, they're gonna use policy levers that they have to influence that Fed funds rate to go up and down. And why? Okay, so the way that the Fed puts money to the economy is by giving it to banks, which then banks then go lend the money. Um, the Fed funds rate, you can kind of think of it as like a, a penalty. So basically if I'm a bank that lends too much money out and I can't meet my reserve requirement, I gotta go money borrow money at the Fed funds rate. And if for some reason I can't find a bank to lend me at the Fed funds rate, I can always go to the Federal Reserve at discount and borrow at the discount rate. Ideal world that doesn't happen because the discount rate is then gonna be higher than the Fed funds rate. Um, cool. So basically these are sort of penalties for being sort of over leveraged. So you know, if it's like a small, like you know, talking about like zero percent or you know, twenty-five basis points, point two five percent, it's like a small slap on the wrist. Okay, hey, I lent out too much money, I paid a little point two five percent for the night. That's not even for the night, it's like the that day's portion of it annualized point two five percent for that night, and then you know, I continue banking the next day. Not a big penalty because banks are gonna be will not only have more money to lend out, but they're gonna be much less careful lending it out because there's not as much pain in doing so. Now, if you raise rates, the bank, the Federal Reserve does exactly the opposite. They're going to reduce those balances, so they're going to actually take money from the banks and say, okay, banks, you have less money now, so you can lend out less. So that means that's going to increase that rate at which banks lend to each other because they have less to lend out. So the banks, the money that banks do have to lend out, they're going to be a lot more careful with, which tightens up credit. And that's essentially sort of the mechanism here. Um, the idea is that is one way to kind of a lot, of people, a lot of our expenditures nowadays are, are done on credit. Whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, it's just reality. You buy a car, you probably take out a car loan, you buy a house, you take out a mortgage, when you go to school, you get a school loan. So people are borrowing money for like everything. Okay? Um, yeah. And basically, if that debt gets higher, then people can thus go out and buy these things. Now, the politics of inflation is a little bit different. Oftentimes, on the political side of things, people like some inflation. Because if prices go up, that also facilitates the price of labor going up, so raises, and maybe it's generally not an issue for banks, you know, as far as your own individual life. Like, there's all sorts of supply chain and maladjustment issues that can occur, but your life, as long as your income is going up faster than your cost of living, then you're not really losing anything. And again, that's just that's that's simplifying it quite a bit. Because I'm only taking a look at income as the only asset, so I'm taking a look at other assets. But oftentimes you do have other assets, as long as you're not just saving all your money in cash, you're on the you're on the winning side of inflation because you're all all things are gonna go up in value uh, in the, in a in a state of mild inflation. Of prices in your own daily life are managed because you have all these other issues to conduct around you. 
The problem is what happens is that that can happen forever. You can't always get a even raise out for work every year. Uh, and oftentimes, eventually, that, that raise of work isn't going to be keep up with inflation. And not all assets are always going to go up. Some assets are going to fail. So what happens if people eventually do start doing things and to make up for it? What they should do, like if everyone said, okay, well, it looks like things are a little tough, so let me spend less money and focus on how I can make more money. It would probably fix itself pretty quick, but what you need to do do, because people don't necessarily like to change their quality of life, but they don't have to, is they will begin borrowing money, taking out loans, credit cards, to make up the difference. So this creates like a debt over, over time, this creates like a debt overhang at the consumer level, and again, you still also have an open amount of investment that's written on to the also the potential changes throughout the But this, this is where it causes like the friction. People like their incomes are not coming up, their debts are accumulating. Um, and uh, one percentage, if you look here, seven percent, whatever it's like, people are like, really good. They're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't sound like too much. That doesn't sound like a lot. There's a, one way to think about this is something called the rule of 22. Now, what it means is you take 22, you divide it by a number, that's how many years it's going to take to double the amount of that rate of interest. So if I say, hey, at the rate of Thank you. 
end of the day, like every environment has its issues, but with good individual financial stewardship, you can take advantage and thrive regardless of the environment. Um, so that's a sort of basic good point I want to make. At the end of the day, like we can complain about politics all we want, politics will be politics because you get a bunch of people in the you get a bunch of people with a hundred million ideas together in a room, you get one sort of Frankenstein idea that's just a mess, regardless of how compelling you think your idea is. But what we can do is make better choices in our individual lives and you know, thrive in whatever these environments are. Um, so yeah.